This episode of Half a Star is sponsored by Empire State of Mind by Alicia Keys. It holds up. On this episode of Half a Star, Justin and I are joined by comedy legend in the making, Sean Hogan. He's a PEI boy done good. He's got an amazing story about what it's like performing comedy in Canada and crossing the border into the U.S. It's a wild story and I can't wait for you folks to hear it. All that and a little bit more on this episode of Half a Star, where bad ideas make great stories. He's Benton. He's Justin. Take it away, Rob. I don't listen because it's a podcast, but if you feel that you must, here they are then, Ben and Justin, together they are half of a star. I'm not used to that yet. All right. (laughs) Hey, Ben. Hi, Justin. How are you doing? I'm great because we are in the presence of one of my favorite stand-up comedians. Oh, thanks. Not you, you bozo. Jeez. I'm talking about the one and only Sean Hogan, who's been killing it. That's right. Killing it, but in a fun way, on Prince Edward Island for the past several months. And this guy I've had the pleasure of working with on a number of occasions. I've never been to a show where the audience has not fallen in love with him, or at the very least, deeply in like with him. You've seen him before, right, Ben? I actually had the pleasure of working with Sean uh, two back-to-back nights, actually, uh, very recently in through my work at the King's Playhouse, and it was an absolute barn burner both evenings. The dude's incredible. So any Amish people who might be listening, don't worry, no actual barns were harmed in the making of Sean Hogan's comedy. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. We'll hear it from the source himself. Give it up for the one and only Sean friggin' Hogan. I'm clapping for myself. Uh, (laughs) Hi. Hey, dude. How how are you this morning? How are you this morning? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I really that was uh, that was the most uh, loveliest intro I've had in in hours. I did. uh, (laughs) No, I had a great welcoming to the Tim Hortons drive through this morning. Um, (laughs) I did a uh, I really liked what you said about uh, you've never seen an audience that wasn't in like or in love with me. And uh, you weren't at my show on Sunday. Oh, obviously. <laughs> is, uh, so, is, is that an experience worth unpacking, Sean? Oh, no, no. The show was actually, it was fine. It was fine. It was just like a, you know, a comedian's journey of just being like, oh, I'll never be good enough. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and so there was like, you know what? There was one person. There was one female audience member who stared holes through my eyes or through my brain the entire set for half an hour. And then, mm. uh, but then I felt she just, she looked like she couldn't hate a human more mm. than me. Yeah. And, uh, but then, then the next, uh, I got off stage. I told uh, the closer that uh, I said, if you, if anybody stands out to you, just let me know. Just let me know. I'm not going to tell you where, <laughs> but if anybody stands out, just let me know. And then, 
And then he got ready to go on stage to close the show. The guy who was middling came off the stage and he sat down and his girlfriend was just like, oh, how was the set? He was like, oh, I had a lot of fun. Other than this one person, I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> it wasn't just me. And then so then anyway, when uh, when Dan got off stage at the end, he was just like, yeah, man, it was great. But man, there's this one person. And I was like, yeah. So that gave me uh, hope for a career. That it wasn't like, just you. Yeah, yeah, I feel like if that was like a Seinfeld episode or something, you would have ended up in like a fender bender with her like two days later. And then she would have come out of the car and you would have been like, oh no, it's you. <laughs> oh, oh. Then you go she, to a then you go to a job interview and she's the person interviewing you. <laughs> Whoa. She was just, oh man. It would have been great actually if I if I uh had um if I had a kid and I was having a birthday party and I had booked a clown to come over and she was the clown <laughs> and she was dressed up with a huge smile, but still had that frown and oh man. And like, oh God, that would be a great scenario. Actually. I'd love that. I would pay for that to happen. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm done. So, yeah, <laughs> if, if you're listening to this podcast and you think you might be this woman, uh, please get in touch. Sean wants to talk to you. No. This person, by description, uh, sounds like she loves podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She no, she just I don't know. She was a, a younger person, and maybe, maybe she just didn't. Uh, she just did not think we were f- funny, or mm. if she, or if she did, she did not express it in a in a typical human like fashion. Right. It right. was a. Uh, it was a. Yeah, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be with the people I'm with. And I certainly don't want to be looking at you. Wow. I was like, okay, cool. All right. I'm going to try to ignore this and I'm going to fail a lot because <laughs> I'm going to focus on this only. <laughs> I, uh, my favorite feedback from a comedy show was, uh, wow, that was a lot of fun. I probably wouldn't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. That could be either from a comedian or an audience member. Yeah, it could be either yeah. or. It really could. So, Sean, you've just uh, you've described one of the many gems and one of the many perks of working in comedy in this country of ours called Canada. Mm-hmm. And this is the pinnacle of being uh, the biggest achievement you can get is someone just staring daggers at you during your set, just not having a good time in the face. But I got to wonder, what got you into comedy in the first place? Uh, I had a, uh, a carpenter told me to, that's, that's the shortest answer I can give you. Was oh. it, was it Jesus? Uh, <laughs> like, was this in a dream? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be like the most roundabout way of saying that Jesus, like that's the first descriptor I have for him. Carpenter, carpenter. told me, um, no, this guy wasn't in nearly the shape that Jesus was in. This guy was kind of a little <laughs> packed on a few pounds. Mm. And uh, Jesus is famously in very good shape. Yeah, man, he's cut. Yeah. He's cut. Yeah. We all know this. Um, <laughs> like, it's a hack premise at this point. Everybody goes on about how cut Jesus is. Like, okay, think of something else. If I have to hear another CrossFit joke. Uh, <laughs> hey. It's, I mean, it was great the first time, but it's been done. Um but uh, no, I, I was working with a, I was in the trades in Calgary, Alberta, and um, I, had, I was working with a carpenter, very talented carpenter. Um, and we were working on some, some pretty crazy houses. We were building like this, uh, 
this CEO of Incana, the CEO of Incana oil, uh, whatever oil company, or I don't know what they, <laughs> they, they're the ones who built the bow tower downtown in, in Calgary, this multi-million dollar tower. Wow. And we're building his like, it ended up being a $16 million house. It was like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And, uh, we were at the end of the project and tensions had been high for six months. And then we were starting to relax. We were in the shop. So, you know, energies were, were good. And um, I just had like, it was that moment that later on in comedy, you get to experience when you're on stage and it feels like you have your foot on the gas pedal with an audience. And it's just like, okay, now and laugh yeah. and laugh harder. And okay, wait and laugh harder and like you have complete control over it and I was doing that with him with a story and he was just he couldn't control how hard he was laughing to the point where he had to stop working because he was working with saws and stuff and <laughs> and he just he, he was just like oh man and he he finally told me to stop and then when he gained his breath like and I forget what the story was but regardless when he gained his breath it was the first time anybody like looked me in the eyes and said he's like you should do stand-up and I was like, what, what do you mean? He was like, you should, you should do it. But to me, stand up was something you needed to be scouted for. It was something mm -hmm. that I didn't understand. And I had never looked into it. I was 24 or 25 at that point. I never looked into it. So then he threw me a bone and said, uh, he actually did an open mic once at a venue called broken city in Calgary. Right. And, right. And then, uh, which now, I mean, that's like probably the most important, uh, probably the most important booked slash open mic in the country in Canada. Um, Cause the way that James Moore, the creator and the producer of it, of it, the way that he books it, the way that he hosts it and the way that he encourages new comedians is like definitely, definitely one of the best, like numerous just for laughs performers have come from that stage. And so then I went there for a month and scouted it out. And I, uh, you know, was writing, I figured out I need a, I need a type five minutes. And so I started crafting a type five minutes and performing it in my apartment with a flashlight as a microphone, <laughs> uh, like a loser. And, <laughs> and yeah, I finally approached James one night after the fourth week and I went up and I just said, excuse me, Mr. Moore. And then he just said, uh, he didn't even hesitate. He was just like, Oh, you're ready. Are you <laughs> You're ready? And he put me up. And, uh, and then I sat next to a guy at the bar and, uh, I was obviously nervous. And then this older guy was just like, Oh, Hey man, you doing, you doing comedy, you comedian. I was like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a set tonight. And then he says, he's like, Oh, you, uh, it's not your first time. Is it? I was like, yeah, yeah, it actually is. He's like, Oh man, right on, man. And he buys me a beer and he starts chatting with me. And I'm like, do you do comedy? And he was just like, ah, oh, I don't know, man. I dabble, I whatever, whatever. And I was like, okay. And the night goes on, I go on and I do my set. I come off and he was so encouraging. He's like, you did great, man. You did great. You're going to be a star. You're going to be a star. And I was like, okay. And then, uh, and then later on, they're just like, and now you're a headliner. And then they bring him up. <laughs> like he was a just for laughs veteran. And he'd been in the game for like 12 years. And uh, so That's he was awesome. like, yeah, he was the sweetest, uh, the sweetest. So yeah, that was my first time. And then I just, you know, uh, unfortunately for my parents, I never looked back. <laughs> unfortunately for carpentry too. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately for Jesus, I never looked back. <laughs>
Ben, it looks like you're thinking. So. Yeah, I was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was about to, I was about to say something, and then I was like, "Wait, I should wait to see if Justin says something first. No, I caught, I, did, I, caught, I caught the upward glance. So yeah, like, yeah, uh, thinking. Uh, I love how on my screen too, uh, Ben's on the bottom, and so it just looked like you were looking at the Justin. But then I realized, like, oh, he's thinking. I was just like, wait a minute, can they see each other? Like, yeah, Justin, right. uh, but like. Yeah, okay, we, we have a second camera operation set up you, for Ben and I to see. You each have other. a monitor up yeah. above your head to simulate yeah. Justin being. A, I was like, you guys are really spending needlessly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we, we got some, we got all that serve money and we just absolutely just destroyed it. Yeah. Just blew our, blew our load all over the, uh, uh, the camera budget. The camera budget. For the this camera pod. budget for this audio only podcast. Oh, yeah. Gotta be able to give them the light. It's good. Yeah, that's it's good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Do you, would you like me to ask the next question? You've had a lot of time to think. Okay. <laughs> be my guest child. Thank you. <laughs> So, Sean, um, obviously we are in what I would call the uh, easiest time to do stand-up comedy, probably. For sure. Oh, yes. Um, What has the pandemic looked like for you in terms of where you've been performing, how you've been performing, what it's been like, that kind of thing? Um, uh, Well, luckily enough, I mean, as you two know, that I'm I'm on PEI, Prince Edward Island, so, I mean as a performer, you couldn't have picked a better spot to be mm-hmm. uh, because at the beginning of the pandemic, I packed my car and moved from Toronto to here because I sensed that Toronto was going to get locked down. And thankfully I sensed correctly. So mm-hmm. in the year that no one could perform there, I was still able to squeeze out shows. And then, and then I did a little like living room tour basically where people would you know, depending on restrictions and stuff, if they're allowed to have 20 people, then they would sell 20 tickets for whatever per ticket. And then they'd have like a little food, a little gathering food and booze and all this stuff. And then I would just show up and do like 90 minutes in the living room, like no microphone, no nothing, because I just like to yell. And, um, (laughs) and so then I would do these shows and it, it was weird. Like sometimes, you know, I would, uh, Cause these were still some of my first shows really performing on the Island in that setting, like for, mm. for smaller shows like that. And so, uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be in there and, you know, 20 minutes into my set, half an hour into my set, I'd, you know, tell a story about a childhood fight or something. And then I'd look up and I'd be like, Oh, there is that guy used to bully me. <laughs> it's like that, that guy standing, like the guy who owns this house. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, it's good to know that uh, that dumb idiot is doing better than me and owns property <laughs> on PEI, you know? So it was like, it was weird in that sense, but, um, but it, it was great. Like you had to, you had to, you had to pivot uh, mm-hmm. a lot. And, um, and then luckily we had a venue open up here um, called the Trailside Music Hall, which is just like, I think it's quickly becoming one of the best little music venues, like, 150 seat music venue in the country and it's yeah. um and uh i'm gonna send the owner pat a check after i mention this <laughs> that's that's the epitome of canadian comedy we're paying oh, yeah. to play <laughs> pay to play yeah. and like, so anyway I, I i lucked out with where i am i lucked out with uh with how things have been going because it hasn't been easy for especially people in major metropolitan areas so mm-hmm. 
the fact that I am where I am kind of gave me, it changed a lot of things because I, I, I'm just able to do more stage time than I've ever done. I think I've done like over, I don't even know, like a thousand, like a, a couple of thousand probably minutes on stage in the last year of doing these longer shows. Um, I mean, a 90 minute show like should probably be 40 minutes, but <laughs> but, but I, I don't mind long wins, you know? Yeah. I mean, in my, in my uh, estimation, it's like, they asked me for 90, so we might as well get weird, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Like, I, and I, some comedians that aren't used to that, like, you know, big, bigger city comedians will, are just so used to tight, mm. you know, like five minutes, seven minutes, nine minutes. Uh, you know, you work your ass off to get a 20 minute club set that you can perform. And then it takes a long time to become a headliner, obviously. But these aren't, headlining sets these are one person show sets yeah. where you want to keep them entertained for 90 minutes but you're not going to kill for 90 minutes mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. you're going to there needs to be an ebb and a flow there needs to be and so you can get away with long form narratives you can get away with as long as it's interesting yeah right as long as it's and so that's the direction i'd kind of rather move in anyway because uh because yeah I'm, I'm more of a more of a storyteller i would say than i am I'm a storytelling comedian. I'm not, I'm not a, a set up punch, set up punch mm-hmm. kind of guy. So. So to that end, Sean, I know you and I have had many, many chats in your lush uh, loft apartment in Charlottetown. It's so big listeners. It's like, Sean, if you just knock on his door, He'll let you in and just hang, you can just hang out with him. <laughs> yeah, if anybody wants to go hang out with Sean Hogan after listening to this, just go knock on his door and he'll let you in. It's, it's true. His address is. At, no. <laughs> but uh, no, just hanging out with Sean. He was cool enough to share some uh, really interesting stories with me that uh, I, I, I still think about to this day. And that's kind of what prompted the invitation to have you on this podcast now, Sean, you being a, uh, a storyteller, there's got to be a half a star story buried deep within your collective works. And a reminder to the listeners, a half a star story is what, Ben? It is a celebration of stupidity, Justin. So it is a story about an idea that was so bad that if a, if a critic was to give it a review, it would only warrant a half a star rating, not even a full star rating. And the philosophy here on Half a Star is that bad ideas make great stories. So, Sean, no pressure, but the story has to be great. <laughs> Get us. Oh, no pressure at all. Uh, okay. The one that came to mind, actually, you know what, when you mentioned this uh, in my, like, I, I, I prepared really heavily for this by asking you uh, 22 <laughs> minutes ago what the premise was. Yep. Um, so, the one that came to mind, when I first started stand-up, I remember uh, when I first moved to Toronto, I had done a year in Calgary and then I sold everything I owned and I moved uh, across the country to Montreal because that's where I thought uh, that's where just for laughs is. Therefore, (laughs) that's how you get on it. You Mm -hmm. idiot. Um, (laughs) I don't know if you can curse on this podcast, but I was about to. (laughs) So I go all the way to Montreal there for a year and a half or so and uh, loving the city. I really did. But then uh, eventually my path led to Toronto. I get to Toronto, figure out that's the move for me. I'm there within the first six months I'm there. Like I do, I think it was like maybe my, might've been my third show in Toronto or my second show. It was very, very early on. I did a set 
at a hot box cafe where, I mean, yes, it's legal to publicly smoke weed and whatever. The laws have changed anyway. But back then at this time, it was, you know, they had rooms. They had like hot box rooms mm. and different stuff like that. And so they had this show there and I go in and I do it. And, uh, and I had a good set. I had a really fun set and I'm trying to do my best, you know, new, new fella in a new city. And afterwards, someone comes up to me and says, uh, oh, I really enjoyed your set. I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I would like to get in touch with you about a festival in New York City. I was just like, oh, this is how it's done. <laughs> this is how it's done. Here, Here we, we go. go. Yep. And uh, so I'm just like, well, this, this, like, this is easy. This, this whole comedy game is so easy. So I think I have it made. Um, he gets in contact with me and says, yeah, there's a festival down, uh, down in New York that I produce. And uh, I would just love to have you down for it. And, uh, and he says, uh, coincidentally, uh, I invited, I saw your roommate. I found out that you live with, uh, with this wonderful comedian named Diana Love. And Diana doesn't perform anymore, but she was a very talented comedian. She was also from PEI. And... Uh, and we live together. And he said, I actually invited her too. She's going to come. So maybe you guys can come together and, uh, and yeah, it'll be a great, great festival, great weekend festival. It's like, man, this is like, this is going to make my career. This is going to be the best. Mm. So uh, we book our, we book our tickets, we book our tickets. And, uh, and I assume that, you know, you're going to get in touch with me to figure out travel and stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> They're just like, Oh no, no. If you can take care of that, that'd be great. It's like, oh, okay. So I need to pay for my own travel. <laughs> it's like, yes, please. So we get a bus. Uh, Diana and I are on the bus the whole way down there. Um, the whole way down there, she is working on her set as a good comedian would. And I have headphones in and I'm listening to Empire State of Mind. The <laughs> on loop the entire way. <laughs> I just concrete jungle where dreams are made of, baby. Sing it to me, Alicia Keys. Like, I don't even care what I'm going to talk about on stage because it's going to change my life. And I had it on loop for, I forget how many hours that bus ride was. So we get down there. As soon as we get down there, our host, uh, Jillian, she was a Canadian comic who she moved to New York City and she was living the Canadian performer's dream because she had married a rich American. <laughs> so she had it friggin' made. She was gonna, she was a part of the festival in some way. She was hosting it or something. So she said that we could stay with her and, uh, and her wealthy partner. So she picks us up at the, uh, at the bus stop and uh, takes us to her place. It's a great spot. We go back there. And uh, she says, oh, we have all these perks. We have these amazing, per amazing perks. It's going to be great. Um, you know, even uh, tomorrow night, we're going to take you guys. She said, I have a, um, her partner's in-law or something, her partner's like relative. I can't remember how it was, was apparently the head writer of Stephen Colbert. Whoa. And, and at that time it was before the tonight, it was before, yeah. you know, Colbert's yeah. new, new changing, but uh this is back in the, the prime Colbert report. Yeah. 
And uh, she's like, so we all got, we got tickets for all the performers, um, uh, uh, the festival performers. We're going to go to the show and we're going to get walked around backstage with the head writer. We're going to meet Stephen Colbert and we're going to, and I was like, great. And like, yeah, this is a great perk. Like you should be giving me this because <laughs> I mean, come on, it's my first six months in Toronto. <laughs> and uh, what I didn't realize was that was the only form of payment we were going to be receiving for this festival. Like oh, this no. festival. Yeah. I didn't know. It was like, it was not even, it was like a off, off fringe festival like right. not even close to a fringe like they had like a quarter of the budget that a fringe festival would have right and so like i ended up man, i ended up paying for my bus trip i ended up paying for like all my food where i was staying i didn't get paid a dime i was like 500 bucks out of pocket to go and perform in New York. <sighs> and so we're staying it's my first time in new york by the way and uh, so I'm just like wide eyed and the entire time people are trying to guide me around and they had to watch me super closely because I kept getting lost because I wouldn't take <laughs> my headphones off. And <laughs> it was just constant empire state of mind the whole time. And, uh, and just this like little PEI or looking around yeah. and just wide eyed. So uh, we do a couple shows and they're great. They're, they're really cool. We played in this um, little theater that was underneath uh the tattoo parlor where the rolling stones like one of their uh one of their album covers is a picture of them sitting on the, these steps and oh, yeah, right. uh, and it's it's saint stephen's theater it's a little theater right underneath it mm -hmm. and so like we smoked a couple of joints on those steps and it was just it was really cool and then payment time baby it comes to the day where we're supposed to get uh we're supposed to go stephen colbert so now we uh we go back to Jillian and Rob's place and uh, we're, we're sitting around. And at one point, Jillian is just like, Hey guys, do you guys, um, we're going to get ready for Colbert. But before that, I think we should hotbox the bathroom. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> She's just like, I just think we should smoke a lot in the bathroom and get mentally prepped right. and then go to Colbert. And I was like, okay, well, you're, you're the mature, like New Yorker, you're the mature, you know, I'm looking up to you at this point. Cause I'm just a 25 year old, you know, 26 year old comedian. We're just like, okay, sure. And so now there's four of us, they had such strict pot laws in New York that you had to hide it so much. Like Rob, the owner of the apartment was so paranoid about cops bursting down his doors and arresting him and putting him in jail forever that they had a system that you all four of us stood in their bathtub and we all stood there with the door with the window cracked open he had uh he had paper towel rolls jammed with bounce sheets yep like like we were a bunch of 16 year olds hiding from parents they were in their <laughs> 30s like and he owned the apartment like and we're blowing it out and you had to blow it in a certain direction so that it simulated the dryer vent and right. all this stuff. And we we're just like getting high in their bathroom. And then I look at the time and I say to Jillian, I was just like, what, um, you know, this is great and all, but what time's the Colbert <laughs> report? And she's just like, oh, we need to be there at 630. Uh, like it we have to be there at 630. If we're a minute late, we don't get in. So we had to be there at 6.30. I was like, okay, so we should just get going soon just to, 
And they were so casual about it. They're just like, no, like, don't worry about it. This is New York, baby. And I was like, okay, all right, cool. This is New York. Yeah, okay. And like, I, I know the song, you know. And so they were so relaxed about it. They're just like, we'll get there in 10 minutes. Don't worry about it. So then we continue to get high until at one point, Rob looks at Jillian. He's just like, hey, Jillian, it's, uh, you know, it is getting late. And she's just like, well, what time is it? It's like four. And he's just like, no, it's five. And suddenly her jaw drops and she's like, oh, my God, we're never going to make it. <laughs> and starts freaking out. And we all jump out of the bathtub <laughs> and, and start like panicking. We're panicking. She starts, we run down to the street and start waving caps immediately. And all, it's just, it's deadlock. Like we, we do get a cab. We jump into the cab. Jillian jumps in the front. I'm in the back. Uh, I remember, I remember Diana was to the left of me. Rob's to the right of me. And we jump into this cab and the cab goes nowhere. We just look ahead and it's deadlocked. And we're, we're just like, it's just complete gridlock. We're just like, what's going on? Like, why aren't we moving at all? And the cabbie looks at us. He's just like, how do you not know that today is the day that Obama's in town? <laughs> and he's like, man, you may as well walk. And we're just like, what? So Jillian immediately bursts into tears. She's like freaking out, thinking she's ruined the entire weekend. So we all get out of the cab. Jillian's crying. Rob's consoling her. I put my headphones back on <laughs> and Diana's just like, I don't know what's going on. And then Rob is just like, no, we can do this. We can do this. Let's just go to the subway. Let's do it. Let's go to the subway. We sprint, we take off running, make it to the subway, jump in, start riding my first time in a New York subway. And we're panicking, rushing all over the place. We, the, the clock is ticking. It's like five fifty, five fifty five, And they're just like, there's no way we're not going to make it. And Rob's just like, no, we got, we have to make it. Let's keep going. We get up to the street level finally, and it's probably about like 616 at this point. We have 14 minutes to make it. We run over and uh, Jillian is freaking out. And she's just like, we need a cab. We can't run. We need a cat. So Rob is about a six foot six man, very large man. And uh, he steps out. I've never seen anything like it. Maybe because I was really high at the time, but he stepped out into the street and lifted up his hand and just like motioned to a cab for it to stop as if he was Magneto. Like he just <laughs> lifted up his hand like the most entitled white man I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and the cab slams on its brakes and we all get in. We all get in, same order. Jillian in the front, Diana to the left of me, Rob to the right of me. Jillian's still crying. We get in the cab and we're like, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go to the whatever theater. He starts whip it like he's cruising and we get the clock is ticking it gets down to like 627 and he slams in the brakes we're like two blocks away and he comes to the stop and we hit the gridlock again we hit the obama gridlock he stops and he says it's two blocks that way he's like you guys can make it you can make it you got to run and jillian's trying to pay and she looks at diana and i and she's just like you two i just want you two to make it just go just go and so we get out and we start booking it and we round the corner. And as we rounded the corner, we see the back door to the theater, just boom, close. And there's no windows on that door, nothing. 
And so I look at my watch, it's like 6.30 and 30 seconds. And uh, we're locked out. Jillian and Rob come running around the corner. Jillian realizes what's happened. We've not made it. And she just breaks down, sits on the pavement, like right on the street. And it's just like, doesn't know what to do. And she bangs on the door. They try relentlessly. They uh, try to get someone's attention. Someone comes on the intercom. It's just like, you, like you, you, you didn't make it. No one gets in after 6.30. Sorry, it doesn't matter what the reason is. You can't come in. Julian is just, or Julian is just lost. And uh, Rob's consoling her. Diane and I are looking at each other like, we're two people from PEI who are in New York City and we just almost made it to the Colbert Report. This is all still cool. Like, this is all, <laughs> like, that was one of the most fun things. So we start get like, we're not upset. We're just like, Jillian, you just showed us a great time. This is fantastic. Like, I feel like, like a star right now because I'm being toured around New York. And she's just like, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And then Rob comes to, uh, you know, Rob is the savior. He says, he's like, wait a minute. Tonight, there's, it's half price for off-Broadway. Mm. So he's just like, what if... We all go there. I will buy the tickets because I am like Rob came from uh, like a wealthy New York family. And I don't mean like, like Drake Toronto yeah. wealthy, like right. started, started from the bottom. Now we're here. I mean, like if his parents heard that song, they'd be like, why would you start at the bottom? <laughs> right. Like we've always been at the top. Yeah. We're right. just going to stay at the top. Mm-hmm. And so Rob, like, immediately he was just like i'll buy the tickets because i have no concept of what anything is worth so i'll buy the tickets let's just go i'll treat everybody to off-broadway tickets let's go to a show and it's like yes this is all great so then we're just like okay well wait a minute they look on their phones where it's like what time does that start oh no and they're just like oh shit it starts at seven we gotta go (laughs) he's like we're gonna we're not gonna make it i'm like what so we start freaking out again. We run up to the street. And by this time, it's like 647. And we, we run up to the street. Yet again, Jillian's freaking out, crying again. She's like, no, we're not going to make it. She yells at Rob, like, you have to get a cab again. So he does the same thing, Magneto style in the street. You got to stop for me because I'm entitled. And a cab slams on the brakes again. We jump in the cab, Jillian in the front, Diana to the left of me, me in the middle, Rob to the right of me. We get in, the cab doesn't move again. And, but there's no gridlock. We're just like, why isn't it moving? It doesn't move because the cab driver turns around. It was the same cab driver <laughs> that dropped us off at Colbert. Oh my God. He had given like, he had given like three fares around like since he dropped us off and then he picked us up again, he had driven around and, and done like three different fares. And so when we did the exact same thing and got in the cab the exact same way, he started, he was just like, I've been driving a cab in New York city for 40 years. And this has never happened. He's like, never, this is crazy. And we're just like, can you get us to off Broadway? He was like, fuck yeah, I can. Like he was just like, <laughs> He's like, I will get you 
do off Broadway. So he starts taking off. We made it, we not only made it in time, like he got us there so quick, but he insisted, not a word of a lie, he insisted that to, we used the time wisely and he stopped at a bodega to get a lottery ticket. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. He, he wanted all of us to get a lottery ticket. So we went in, we bought one, we all signed it. Uh, it never won anything, but he insisted that like, that was the only way he was just like, you got to get one. And we got one, we came back out and, uh, he drops us off yet again. Like we had time to spare, but because he thought he wanted everything to go the same way for the sake of the lottery ticket for the, for fate. So he looked at, he was just like, you two run. And he like, points <laughs> to Diana and I. So we're just like, okay, we just start running for off Broadway. Um, yeah, we make it to the play and Rob buys our tickets. It ended up being the play Seminar starring the late Alan Rickman. Wow. wow. And it was, uh, it was just not too long before he died. Uh, it was Alan Rickman, Jerry O'Connell. And, uh, and they said right away, they were just like, okay, you have to be in here for 90 minutes and uh, there's no intermission. There's no nothing like you cannot leave once you enter here. No cell phones, no nothing. And we all sat in there in complete darkness. And uh, yet again, it was Diana to the left of me, me, Rob, and then Jillian. And the play was amazing. It was, it was so brilliant the way that they, they did it and the stage change and everything. But then like halfway through it, Rob started grabbing like his, his legs. So, like he started he looked like he was really anxious and, um, and claustrophobic. And I was like, Ooh, this isn't good. And, uh, Jillian, he, he would whisper something in the Jillian's ear and Jillian would whisper something back. And then at one point she just, she looked so annoyed. She was just like, Oh God. And I was like, man, that's not how you treat someone who's like having a panic attack and going through claustrophobia. And at one point she gets up and she goes and gets water. I was like, what are you doing? Like, don't attract attention to these little, you know, PEIers that are sitting in their first off-Broadway play. But she comes back and I heard, I saw her talk to someone and say like, I need to get water for my husband. She comes back, gives him the water. I mean, she gives it to him. She's like, oh, I was like, what? You got to be more like, more, you know, nice to this person who's going through a panic attack. And then it wasn't until uh, the play ends and we're all so excited and we're leaving the play. And they're walking behind us and Diana and I are just so over the moon. We're just like, this has been the greatest night ever. And, uh, and then I hear Jillian just like freaking out at Rob. And she's just like, you just had to eat the second pot cookie, didn't you? You just had to. One's never enough. And he was just, like, I don't even know where he got it. But he was just like, he was just freaking out, getting way too stoned, watching Alan Rickman act his ass off on stage. And it was just like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> and then and then we left. And uh, yeah, we stayed the night. At, we stayed the night and then we left. We went back to Toronto the next day. And like for a, for a festival that I thought was going to make my career and yet one that I ended up having to pay like over $500 to perform in and it never got me anything at all. And I felt like a huge loser. Uh, but it's one of my most fondest memories of like, I never even want to go back to New York because, I, <laughs> because I cherish that memory so much. Yeah. And, uh, 
yeah, it's it's one of my favorite favorite memories. And I got to see Alan Rickman in the flesh. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I yeah, I've never really talked to any of those people since. <laughs> I've got to say that that's probably the first time that anyone has sort of verbally communicated the experience of being in New York City. Like that to me, like just like the, 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 the intensity and the tension that you brought to that. I was like, yeah, that's absolutely New York City for me. It was for wild. Sure. Yeah. The entire, yeah, the whole experience was just like, is this what it's always like? And I'm like, <laughs> when I tell anybody who's experienced a lot of time in New York, they're just like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's about it. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta wonder though, from all of those shenanigans aside, how were the, the shows that you performed uh i mean those were they were really i loved them because i was so new to comedy i was in my third year i think at that point and so like during the day i would go to uh like i'd be walking through soho and i'd go to a cafe and and, and write I, I tried to write what i thought were these like you know uh brazen bits and like oh ooh, so cutting edge and like right. you know new yorkers are just like what are you doing but they, <laughs> they, they probably thought it was real cute you know uh but like the shows were great they were you know i think it's a 75 seater or a 100 seater max and uh beautiful little theater like and so they were exciting they were uh yeah they it, it was it was a really exciting time in my career because it was just like, you know, the world's opening up and you're just like, you can go anywhere, you can do anything. You just have to put yourself out there kind of thing. And, and uh, yeah, maybe like financially it wasn't the best move, but I've never made moves based on finance, (laughs) Uh, but it was, the shows were great. Like they were uh, really good memories. I think it was only three shows, but it was just like, Oh man, this is, these are all good people. That's too funny. Yeah. Well, Ben, how does that measure up to being a half a star story on you? I mean, it, it had everything. It had uh, it had time crunches. It had illicit drugs. Yep. It had uh, finances not being discussed. Uh, <laughs> it had it had, rom- a, it, it had Alicia Keys and Jay Z. It had romance. It had crying. Uh, it had Alan Rickman. I, I I loved it. I thought it was don't, great. Don't forget Jerry O'Connell. Now. And Jerry O'Connell, oh, yeah. too. Yeah, Jerry O'Connell really got buried in that whole story, but he was he does good work. Man. Well, thank you so much, Sean. But before we end things off, we're getting to a segment in the show called Plugs. And this is where we we plug anything you're working on. Do you have any shows coming up for the uh, month of August that you might be uh, might be excited to share with people. Oh, that's a good question. If you hear this, uh, I hope you came to my shows in Halifax. I would have been at uh, hosting at the Yuck Yucks in Halifax and then numerous independent shows that week. And if you came and saw me, then uh, I'm really glad you came to listen to this web or uh, podcast, whatever this is. Uh- <laughs> I'm a real tech savvy guy. This webisode. <laughs> this uh, webisode with my friends. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm glad you came and listened to this because I told you to in person. So uh, that's great. Um, August, uh, I do like, ah, man, I have some shows that I am excited about, but nothing like concrete. Uh, like I'm doing a show with Julian Dion and Jen Grant and Ryan Doucette. 
uh, which uh, I think I know where it's going to be held in two and a half weeks, but that's still kind of up for debate. Um, so I can't really, yeah. So anyway. Tell, tell you what, if listeners, if they're so inclined to, they want to look up Sean Hogan for his Come comedy, to my house. Come to his house. Got it. <laughs> it's the one with all the plants in the it's window. It's the one with all the plants. No, usually, like, if people, I only use Facebook and Instagram to plug shows, so, um, and I don't do Twitter because it's Satan. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just follow me on the Facebook or the Instagram and, um, or, uh, you know, if you're my friend, just give me a call. There you go. Well, you heard it here, folks. This has been Sean Hogan on Half a Star. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you guys for having me. That was that was fun. Nice little way to spend uh, whatever day of the week it is. Folks, once again, that was Sean Hogan. Awesome, awesome comedian. He's a great friend of both mine and Benton's. Uh, really lucky to have had him on the show. Please be sure to check him out on social media. Give him a Google. You'll find him. Uh, you don't want to miss his act. It's a great, great experience all around. Absolutely. Uh, he's one of the funniest guys that I've ever seen on stage. And I don't throw that around lightly. And I'm standing right here. I said one of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All anyway. right. Let's end this thing. This has been another fantastic episode of Half a Star. I'd like to thank Sean Hogan for coming and hanging out. I'd like to thank you for listening. And I'd like to thank Justin for being Justin. Oh, go on. And remember, black lives matter. Trans lives matter. Every child matters. Be a good person. Be kind to each other. Get the gosh dang vaccine while you're at it. And we'll see you next week.